0: Hello and welcome to ABB Decoded, the podcast that tries to press pause on our fast-moving lives and make sense of the technology and trends that are shaping our world. We're joined for this episode, midway through the ABB Formula E season, by the series co-founder and chairman Alejandro Agag. He's the man widely credited with being the driving force behind the creation of an all-electric motor racing championship, of which ABB has been the title partner since 2018. And while he is no longer involved in the minute-by-minute running of the series, he remains intimately involved in the business and has many fresh ideas for its future, as we will hear. Agag started his career in politics before becoming a motorsport entrepreneur, and he remains a passionate advocate of e-mobility and of the climate benefits that can be achieved via progress in sustainable technology. He has extended his interest into off-road e-mobility with the Extreme E-Series and onto water with a nascent electric speedboat championship but it's as the visionary behind ABB Formula E that he joins us, speaking just ahead of the Berlin E-Prix from his hotel in the German capital. Among several surprises in our conversation is Agag's revelation that he's a science fiction enthusiast and that perhaps the out-of-this-world ideas of writers such as Isaac Asimov encouraged him to conceive a revolutionary form of motorsport. So let's hear from the man himself.
1: I'm Alejandro Agag, I'm the founder and chairman of the ABB Formula
0: E Championship. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. I'd like you just to cast your mind back to more or less eight years ago, maybe even a little longer, when you founded the championship and it was just a, a drawing on a paper napkin or a, or a cotton napkin. Can you really believe how far the championship has come in those eight or ten years? You know,
1: when I look back and really uh, you see where we are today, um, I, it's really uh, far beyond what we expected. The interesting thing is when I look back and I remember how I was seeing the future then, I didn't really know what to expect. So the way we built this, this project and this championship was basically step-by-step surviving to fight another day. Basically we had so many of these times where it was really, really tough and it was looking like everything was going to collapse. So we just kept going. So we didn't really make any big plans. We didn't make any big designs. We didn't make any kind of drawing of how we wanted it to be. We just kind of kept going to see where we got to. And we got to a fantastic place. Uh, of course, the first years were a lot more unstable. Now we have a lot more stability. We have a lot more um, capacity to plan the future in a way. But yeah, from the, in the beginning, it wasn't like that. It was just, let's survive another day to, keep, uh, to, to stay here. So th- does it feel still like a crazy adventure? It must have done at the start. It feels less like a crazy adventure. Now it feels more like a, like an enterprise. Now it feels more like a solid project, which is what we wanted. So, you know, you can only survive crazy adventures for a certain amount of time. If you keep going like a crazy adventure, you probably will crash and burn. And we almost did it a few times. So, no, it feels very good. It feels very good. It feels like really we we have created something that is going to survive the founders. You know? It's hopefully going to stay here longer than, than us or at least longer than, than we are working uh, in it. So, yeah, it's, it's a good feeling that, uh, that finally it's, we, we brought
0: Formula E to a stable place. And you mentioned you couldn't really have imagined where the championship would go when you started. But where you are today, looking ahead to Season 9, has it exceeded your expectations or met those expectations or gone in a completely different direction? Well, it has
1: by far exceeded my expectations in terms of uh, what we have achieved, in terms of the technology also, in terms of the impact that it has had. Having said that, uh, I'm not happy we need to do much more. Always. There is a lot of, uh, space to cover. Always. There is more uh, room to grow. And, uh, especially on the reach, on the impact of the championship, on the, you know, number of fans that follow us with the fan base, growing the fan base. I think we have many priorities that we have to keep pushing, but you know, we have to be super happy of uh, where we are. I mean, uh, I don't think any other championship in the world after seven seasons is in the place where formula E, the ABB Formula E championship, it's today.
0: So we're in Berlin, as we speak, which has been part of the championships at the very beginning, and we're just two weeks on from uh, the Gen 3 launch. So what was it like seeing the Gen 3 car and seeing how far the e-mobility technology has come from those those early prototypes, which couldn't even do a spin because they didn't have enough power?
1: I think you always tell this story about the motorsport being a laboratory to develop technology and so on and so on. But uh, you need those moments like the Gen 3 launch to really uh, understand that it's true, that you are really achieving technology breakthroughs. And if you compare Gen 3 to Gen 1, it's a completely different galaxy of car. We are in a different dimension. The Gen 1 couldn't even finish the whole race. It was going, the power was 150 kilowatts. This car is going to go top, I think, at 350. The leap forward in in power is huge. The weight is less. I mean, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's incredible. The progress in the technology that we've done in only a few years. So yes, this confirms that Formula E, the ABB Formula E Championship, it's a laboratory, it's a platform to develop technology for electric cars, and we really deliver.
0: And Do you think the championship has helped to reframe the, the narrative around e-mobility and you know, accelerate manufacturers to change their model lines, bring charging technology up to, more up to speed, help infrastructure, all these things? I think the championship definitely has had an effect on the landscape
1: of mobility. And I think today it would be different if we didn't have a championship like the AB Formula e championship in the world. Uh, we have it, people can see it, people can watch it. And that's in the back of their mind, in the back of the, the consumer that is going to buy a car and has to make a choice between a car that is electric or, or uh, uh, internal combustion. So definitely we have achieved that. But of course we can achieve a lot more. Uh, this uh, championship has a huge potential to keep promoting e-mobility. E-mobility, it's in a very interesting moment, finally on an inflection point where numbers are really, really uh, escalating, but at the same time with huge challenges on the supply chain, on the raw materials, which are, have been on top of it complicated even more by, by the war, by the invasion of Russia to Ukraine, because a lot of the uh, nickel and other raw materials for batteries come from Russia. Uh, so, so we have many challenges, but we have the opportunities huge and we still have a lot to do. So there's still a huge role for the ABB Formula a
0: Championship. But when you, when you see something like what you call an inflection point, do you, do you feel proud? Do you feel like you've helped that happen? Does that give you a good feeling or do you just see the, the work to do? I feel very
1: proud. but I mean, no, 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 not because I take on myself the credit of the explosion of a sale of electric cars. I feel proud just to be here and to exist and to manage to create something that, that, that goes on because many racing car championships have started and disappeared, started and disappeared. We created one, and there was a big consensus. We were not going to stay for long, and we're still here after eight seasons, stronger than ever. So, yeah, I feel proud of that. Why do you think that is? I think we had the right concept, the right idea behind. I think the idea is what's powerful behind the ABB Formula Light Championship, the promotion of electric cars in the right moment in time. If you were going to promote electric cars 20 or 30 years ago, this championship would have died after a few months. But we came in on the right time, even a little bit early, which is good. We came just before the big wave of electrification of the motor industry, but it was already brewing. So, so I think the timing was right, the idea was right, and that's why we're still here.
0: And you, you mentioned challenges. I mean, you had two major ones along the way. One was sort of manufacturers that come and go. I'm interested to know how you, how you, talk, how you deal with that. But then also we can speak about this in a minute, the, the whole COVID-19 situation, which almost cancelled season six, but didn't in the end. So two separate things. How did you deal with, with these scenarios? Yes, we had these challenges actually that came uh,
1: almost together, uh, COVID and the, the manufacturers that left. Now we have some others that join and it's interesting. You see the, everything goes in cycles and, uh, I know that some of these manufacturers are already regretting the decision that they took. Um, but it, you know, manufacturers have their own timings, also their own decision-making processes, which are not strictly linked to motorsport. So a manufacturer has to look at a very big picture and sometimes motorsport fits. Sometimes it doesn't fit. So, of course, there are no hard feelings. At the contrary, these manufacturers were very grateful because they joined the championship and they supported the championship when they did come in. Uh, and if they leave, we hope they will come back uh, again. But this was mixed with COVID also. And we had to cancel a lot of races. And for us, COVID was a big challenge because we race in city centers. And, you know, to put together a race uh, in a track with uh, quarantine conditions and lockdown conditions, it's feasible. But to put together a race in the heart of a city, is just basically impossible. So we had to cancel a lot of our races. We did six races here in Berlin, uh, which was not ideal for the championship. And I think we suffered during that, uh, that period more than other championships. But I think uh, we have, you know, so much potential that it's not a problem at all to come back from that. We are seeing the rebound already. We, we saw the announcement of Maserati, which is a great brand, joined the championship. We're going to see very soon another big brand joining the
0: championship. Uh, so yeah, so I think um, we, are, we are in very good shape. Another challenge that you face, not always your own fault, but uh, races get cancelled sometimes. They come and go off the calendar. We had an unfortunate one this year with Vancouver. I mean, how do you deal with with that? Because sometimes there's an emotional aspect as well, because this year, for example, everybody wanted to go to Vancouver. Suddenly we can't go. So how do you deal with those sort of situations? Be careful. You have the person that most wanted to go to Vancouver behind you, which is my wife, uh,
1: who really wanted to go to Vancouver. Um, I really wanted to go to Vancouver. And of course, it's my fault too. I'm part of the management of uh, of the company, and uh, we should have uh, probably done things different to make sure that we were able to go to Vancouver but we trusted the local promoter there and the local promoter uh, unfortunately didn't do his job uh, the way he should have done it. You know, it's very challenging to raise in cities but I think we really need to push now for a for a more stable calendar and uh, there are different ways to do that um, but we're working on it and uh, the Vancouver situation should not happen again definitely and uh, we need to have more direct contact with uh, with the cities so if a local promoter suddenly collapses like it was the case we can take take their place and still
0: deliver the race what what sort of things can you put in place would that be like promoting races directly as the championship for example
1: yes we can promote races directly we can have a direct relation with the government of the city so what happened here is that we were not in contact with the city of vancouver so we didn't know what was going on between the promoter and the city and the promoter was telling us everything is fine everything is fine but everything wasn't fine and, and, and we realized what was happening too late when, once he got the, the uh, notice of a postponement of the race. So for the moment, it's a postponement, but we need to have a lot more control on those situations. And, you know, we have to uh, probably
0: be able to take the place of the promoter if we need to. So, so far, Formula E has been a championship in growth. Some people at one point thought it would just overtake Formula One, but Formula One is currently doing very well. I know the two championships don't compete directly, but where do you see Formula One versus Formula E in, say, five years? How how can those two championships sit alongside each other?
1: So, you know, um, I have to be very uh, careful with this question because I answer it always very openly and everybody gets very nervous with my answer because I'm the only one who has this opinion, apparently. I think Formula One and Formula E should coordinate, should have some kind of cooperation in some way or another. I think we are very, very compatible. I think we don't compete with each other. I think we're very complementary, and um, if I, if it was up to me, I would do something quite, quite strong together with Formula One. I think eventually the technology, electric car technology, and this is a very known opinion of mine, will be more performant than uh, than internal combustion, and the Formula One is the pinnacle of performance. So understand that however you want, but. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty lonely on this, uh, <laughs> on this crusade, if you like, uh, because everyone else seems to be doing their own thing and happy with their own thing. Uh, I have to say formula one is doing amazing. They, you know, we just saw the race in Miami with the whole vibe that they was behind and the numbers are going up. Uh, they have a big fan base growth and so on. So congratulations to them. It's a great job. That's good for motorsport in general. So it's not that when formula one goes well, formula A e goes bad. No, no, I, I, I think that, uh, we compete with other sports. We compete with tennis. We compete with football. We compete with, uh, uh American football. So it's good for motorsport, but, uh, of course, uh,
0: we have to take it into account when, when we look at the future. So what would like an ideal race weekend be? Would you have a, an Ypres in Berlin and a Grand Prix in, uh, I, well, maybe not a Hockenheim, but you know, sort of down the road somewhere in Germany?
1: Well, I, for me, ideally they, they wouldn't uh, be on the same weekend. So you could have a E-Pri in Berlin and a Grand Prix in Berlin. Consecutive weekends. So you have a whole week of racing, technology, festival, the two boat technologies that are more sustainable. And you create a huge bus, you use the same facilities, you have economy of scale, you save money, you make profit, you make people happy, you know, so many good things.
0: And do you have conversations in these directions? No, I
1: don't. And if I did, I wouldn't tell you, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah,
0: I don't. <laughs> Okay, good. I mean, you have a very entrepreneurial spirit. Otherwise, you wouldn't have started this championship. How, how do you feel about the risks that you must have taken to to launch ABB Formula? E?
1: I feel okay, actually. I, I uh, you know, I got this question also the other day, I was thinking like for me when I was uh, uh, in high school and thinking about my future, I, you know, there was a lot of unemployment in Spain and it was uh, uh, so I was happy with just getting a job somewhere, you know, hopefully in a bank. You know, being an employee in a bank, my father was doing that. I would have been happy with that. So that's kind of my baseline. So whatever happens now, I can, I'm happy to take risks because I'm never going to go below that baseline if you like. So I have always that kind of like uh, low base where I would be happy with and everything else is a bonus. So I live in my bonus in a way. And if the bonus one day disappears, okay, the bonus is gone. But, you know, I've enjoyed my bonus for a long time. So that makes take risks not
0: so difficult. Is that why you've, um you you've done other electric motorsport experiments, if you like, or well, no experiments, championships. You've got P1, yeah. Boat Racing, Extreme E. Perhaps you could tell us about those.
1: Yes, things. yes. Uh, yes. So that, that is that is true. I like the I like the, the 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 launch of the project. I like building the projects from scratch. So once Formula E was already built and solid, I think my my uh my direction went to create new championships, which is what I had learned how to do. The hard way through Formula E. We started with Extreme e, off road, very far away. Extreme e is uh, very, very challenging, but it's fascinating because you go to places. I just came back, for example, from the RLC from uh, Uzbekistan. When would I have done that? I mean, how? When, you know, impossible. You do things that you never do. I've, I've, I've been in Greenland, we raced in, in the Arctic, we've raced, uh, I've been exploring the Amazon rainforest. I mean, this championship has taken me to places that uh, I would have never um, gone. But it's very challenging. Uh, but it's good. It's going good. It's going forward. Of course, with a lot of challenges, a lot of pressure, a lot of uh, risk, but it's good. The boat championship is still at the earlier stage, but I, I think it's also fascinating It's a new area where there are incredible potential. And also it's an area where we can expand the, the electrification also our activity, not only to sport, but also, uh, with the sister company that we are creating called Seabird. we can expand that to manufacturing, actual electric recreational boats for the general public. So it's a really interesting area also there. So, yeah, so, so I think I have kind of an area of focus, which is electrification and can, kind of sustainability environment. We're getting into hydrogen too, which is fascinating, uh, with extreme age. Uh, but within that space, I'm very happy to kind of start new projects. And, um, and I like the, yeah, I like the, the, everything that comes together with that. If the risk, the sleepless nights, the pressure, it's, I enjoy that.
0: And just looking ahead, perhaps to Gen Four, which is obviously a long way off because we've only just seen Gen Three. But I guess those those drawings are already on already on a piece of paper. What, what can you tell us about what yes. might lie in the future? Gen Four. I mean, you know, we have a group with um, with the
1: Carmano factors that we that we met for the first time in Monaco at the last race weekend. I think Gen Four will be a, a massive leap in performance. I think in Gen Four we will start looking at things that we haven't looked until now. And what I'm going to tell you is just kind of general possibilities, not, not, not what we're going to do, but we could look at, for example, something around the battery. We could look, not maybe opening completely, but maybe the cells or the cell is common, but the packaging, you know, different combinations there. We could look at allowing some kind of freedom on the look of the car for the teams um, without going into aerodynamics. So controlling the downforce levels, but you know, we could look something into that, of course, the materials. So the lightweight, of the car uh, with different materials. We, we could look at ultra fast charging, where we're going already to look at uh, season three could be even more relevant on uh, on Gen 4. So there are many, many, many areas where we can really take this to the, to the next level. So I think Gen 3 has been a huge step, but it's still not perfect. I think Gen 4, we can be, I'm not gonna say we can be beat the internal combustion engine. I think Gen 5 will beat the internal combustion engine uh, cars. Uh, but Gen 4 is the step before becoming the fastest race cars in the world. And what will you be doing by Gen 5, which could be, I don't know, five, <laughs> five six years away? I have no clue. I think I'll probably be doing the same. Very, like, very likely. I'll still, I I'd love to still be involved with all these projects. So I don't see myself changing career or anything like that. Um, no. I mean, probably I'm still involved in Formula E, Extreme E, E1. Maybe we could have come up with some airplane championship or something, or drones or rockets or what do I know?
0: Obviously, you're a person with a, a lot of restless energy. So, so when you're not channeling it into racing or boats or something else, what, what, what do you do? What do you do with all that energy?
1: No, I, I, well, my passion actually, which doesn't, doesn't, not many people know, is writing. So I would love to become a writer, actually. I'm writing my book, but I'm a bit stuck at the moment. But that could be, if I had to do something else, I would probably go write, write books, science fiction books.
0: Okay. And you write in Spanish?
1: No, I write in English. You
0: write in English?
1: Yeah. Okay. So as you can imagine, it's not very high quality <laughs> literature, but I will need someone to correct my book when uh, when I finish it. But yeah, I write in English. So
0: is this is a place where you can put all your imaginative fantasies into yeah. right? Exactly. And some of those become reality, I guess. You know, if you look at science fiction, if you look at the science fiction of the 50s and
1: the 60s, many of the things that are on those books are reality today. So science fiction, and if you look at, for example, The Foundation or some of the big, big science fiction books, they have so many interesting... Uh, ideas and lessons that are applicable now. So, so I guess if you write science fiction now, maybe those things can be reality in 50, 100, 100, 200 years.
0: Do you have a science fiction hero?
1: Yeah, Isaac Asimov, definitely. He was the best, yeah. Foundation is quite, kind of the best, for me, the best kind of general guide of what's going on in
0: the universe. So in a way we have science fiction to thank for what you've done with Forman uh, Formula
1: E. Probably. <laughs> probably, because science fiction helps you think out of the box. So you don't stay on the limits of reality, but you, with the science fiction, you can go outside of reality and then try things that are not, you know, in the normal day-to-day.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. Anyway, we don't have any more time, sadly. It's okay. It's always fascinating, but thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And thank you, Alejandro Agag, for joining us. It's been a fascinating insight into the mind of a sustainability entrepreneur, and we look forward to hearing about your next adventures. And if you've enjoyed this episode of ABB Decoded, Why not like, share and subscribe to the series wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.